Well, good Friday morning, everybody. It's the Torg and Elliot Show, and boy, I'm excited to talk to our next guest. He is a huge author right now, Red Hot, forming, former uh, Navy SEAL. Jack Carr, welcome to the show, and thanks for your time, man. Oh, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. I love that bumper music, by the way. Yeah. Rolling. Yeah. And you did, uh, you know, I had to laugh. I saw all the posts from uh, Joe Rogan, a frequent guest of uh, our show, and we've had him over. You killed it on his podcast last week. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it was a great conversation. I've known uh, Joe for a couple years now, and uh, it was just fantastic getting to finally go to that studio and sit down and uh, have a little conversation together. Yeah, so you do. Great. You do Rogan's podcast, and then Amazon sells out of your book. You may sell like three, five copies from this interview. So just so <laughs> hey, every little bit counts. But who knows how many Amazon had on stock? That's the part people don't really think about. They might have had only three or five copies in, uh, in stock to sell. So that's the other side of that part. Well, the book we're talking about is Savage Son, and I just finished it. Can't put it down. It was the third book in the James Reese series. How does it feel to be? Uh, I mean, let's be honest. You're a big time author now. Oh, I mean, it feels the same as before. But I'll tell you, making the New York Times list. Uh, with this one was really special because this is something that I've wanted to do since I was a little kid. Uh, I wanted to serve my country in uniform as a SEAL, and I wanted to write fiction. And uh, I grew up reading these books in the 80s that all had New York Times bestseller across the top from guys like Tom Clancy and David Morrell, sure. Nelson DeMille and AJ Quinnell and all these guys in the 80s who had protagonists with backgrounds that I wanted to have in real life one day. So uh, to have that happen, especially during this time uh, with coronavirus and all this uncertainty out there and having to pivot at the last second from a traditional book tour uh, to really reimagine it and do something completely different that uh, uh, authors haven't done before. And then to make the list, uh, and it was all grassroots because that happened before the Joe Rogan podcast. Before, before Chris Pratt announced the, uh, that Amazon is going to make a series of the first one, The Terminal List. Uh, so it was all grassroots. It was all word of mouth, people taking a risk on a new author, telling a friend, them reading it, and telling a friend. So that made it um, exceedingly Yeah, tough. you know, I follow you on Twitter, and I was, I guess I shouldn't say surprised, but I, it, was, it was encouraging to see the support that the authors have for one another. I mean, it's not like that in other areas of entertainment at all, and yet the support we had Will Chesney on, former SEAL, uh, like two weeks ago, and oh, his yeah. his book, you know, he was with the K-9 unit, and right. he used his dog, uh, Cairo, to help with PTSD, and he was great, and we told him, uh, I told him we had you booked in a couple of weeks, and man, he's a huge fan of yours, and although I would, oh, th- amazing. I would think that that Navy SEAL thing's a pretty tight fraternity, though, right? It is. I think when I was in, there was about 2,500, give or take, and of that 2,500, it's even a smaller number that are actually going downrange uh, and doing the job at the tactical level. Cause you have officers that are at the, the senior levels that are at places like the Pentagon or at, mm-hmm. at Tampa at SOCOM or at JSOC or wherever, uh, and then scattered around the world in staff billets. Uh, so the guys that are really out there on the front lines doing the job, um, that's, the, the, the tightest well, part for that fraternity. You know, Jack, we're talking with author uh, Jack Carr, and the book is called Savage Son. Um, my kid was uh, Marsak, my firstborn, my oldest. Oh, wow. And he did three tours over there. And I know when he came back, he thought, oh, this is no, this is a breeze. And he, I'll be honest, he's, he had trouble adjusting when you came back after all that Navy SEAL work you did, because I know for a fact you were hands on. Did you have trouble, and did the writing help with that? 
so the only one I was very good at flipping the switch when I came back from deployments and going from uh, kicking the, d- the door in in yeah. Baghdad one day and then to being home the next. Um, but there was one time in 2006 when I got home where I wanted to be back there because it was the height of the war. I was doing a job with another government agency at the time, and it was just a probably the uh, the, the, the what I came in to do, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to leave it. And uh, so it, that was the only time when I got home and I kept thinking, oh, what are they doing tonight? What are the guys doing tonight? I want to be back there. I want to be back in that rotation. Uh, and then my wife was like, hey. Snap out of it. And sure. Like, oh, okay. I guess I, should, I guess I should flip that switch. I'm home now. I'm not down there. Was so, it? Was uh, it ever? Oh. Was it ever an option for you to go as a become a government spook like your character or a three letter agency guy? Oh, yeah. I think you're the first person to ask me this question, and yes, it was. And after that de- specific deployment that I was talking about, uh, I came back and uh, went through a program that they have that actually started in Vietnam, um, specifically targeting, I think. Special Forces guys, Army Special Forces mm-hmm. guys that had worked very closely with the CIA, so they didn't have to go through the huge bureaucratic process uh, to get pulled into kind of the paramilitary side of that agency. So uh, they either I think they started it back up again after 9/11, and then after that deployment in 2006, I, uh, I jumped into that because I wanted to get back there. I wanted to get back to doing that job and kicking in those doors and doing what I came in to do. Uh, and uh, I. I dropped my papers actually to get out of the military to go do that. And then the military said, Oh, hold on. We'll get you back in the, we'll yeah, back right. in the fight essentially. We don't and, want to lose uh, you. Sure. So I decided to stay. So I sure. ended up staying, which was a good decision. Well, and you know, that's a perfect segue for me here. Cause I wanted to ask you about the research that you do for your books, because, uh, You've you've it's so technical, the weaponry and you can't get anything wrong or you'll hear about it from, you know, who knows how many readers it's I would assume the amount of time that goes into the research and to get everything exactly right, that that almost is as big as or as much work as writing the story and putting the word on the page. It is, and a lot of that goes, is editing because as I'm writing, I'll just put something down and know that I need to go back and check it later because of my background. People are going to uh, be extra critical if I get something wrong yeah. as far as uh, weaponry or that sort of thing. So there's a couple of guys out there I, I check in with, Larry Vickers, uh, Vickers Tactical, and a friend, Monty LeClaire, Centurion Arms. Like, those guys know what weapon came off what factory floor with right. what serial numbers at what period. Like, those guys go deep. So I check with, uh, with them, uh, double-check anything I'm not sure of on the weapon side of the house. But uh, as far as research, for the first book, The Terminal List, I'd been in Iraq and Afghanistan, lived in San Diego, New L.A., New yep. York. So I had that research essentially done as I started writing during my last year in the military. For the second one, I went to Mozambique. I hadn't been there. The other locations in the book, like Morocco and uh, Ukraine, Odessa specifically, and the catacombs under there, I'd been to those locations before prior to joining the military. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't been to Mozambique, so I went there put my boots on the ground, talked to the people, uh, found out about Chinese mining operations in the area, legal and illegal, the meat poaching that, that goes into feeding everyone in those operations. Uh, so I wanted to get that local flavor to weave in. So I went there for that one, went back to South Africa um, uh, to train up an anti-poaching unit as part of the research for the uh, second one and some of this third one, Savage Sun. And then I knew I had to go to Russia. For this third one. So I went to Kamchatka yeah. Peninsula, Russia, which is just south of Siberia. And I just knew that I had, I, there's no other way to do it than go there, put boots on the ground, get in the backcountry, and, uh, and sure. flavor into this third novel. So is your hero James Reese? Is that somebody you served with, or is it you? I think it's you. 
<laughs> well, he has a background similar to mine. Well, there you go. From a research standpoint. Right, what you know. Navy SEAL enlisted sniper, which I was. Uh-huh. He became an officer, which I did. And uh, he's at that stage when the reader meets him in the first novel where he's done his last deployment where he'll tactically lead guys on the battlefield. So he's a lieutenant commander, which is a major in the other services. Yeah. And uh, once you do your tactical opera, tactical leadership role at that rank, uh, then pretty much you're, yeah, you can be a, you're a leader still. Uh, and I'm doing air quotes there because you're back in the tactical operations center. You're more of a manager. You're not out there on the battlefield with the guys. And if you are, you're pretty much just getting in the way. Uh, so that's that's where we meet the uh, the yeah. protagonist of the first story, and that's where I was when I started writing. Well, let me. Uh, so let, it all comes from a very personal place. Yeah. Well, let me tell you this. I re- you could tell I'm a fan. I apologize. I'm, I'm excited to have you on here. But I probably read oh, forty. I probably read forty five to fifty books a year. And that assault on the family home in Montana is one of the, perhaps one of the most exciting chapters, two chapters I've ever read. And it kind of, the book is like it split in two. That finishes up the first half. And buddy, that's as exciting in print as it gets. Oh, thank you so much. I, I mean, really appreciate wow. That. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no, I wanted to, I, and I kind of make the, the, even some of the weapons in that chapter and in any chapter the weapons mentioned it, almost a character in and of themselves. Like setting is a character like Montana, Siberia, these places, but then also those weapons tell you a lot about the person using them. So uh, for people that are into that sort of thing, it's, uh, these books are for you. You mentioned uh, the Amazon TV series based on uh, the series of books. Who uh, Chris Pratt's going to star? That's right. So as I was writing this, I uh, imagined only Chris Pratt, uh, Pratt playing this part, which is strange because as I was writing it, it was before he'd done Guardians of the Galaxy, before he'd done these different mm-hmm. uh, things that made him an A-list star. Uh, he had a very small role in Zero Dark Thirty about the Bin Laden raid, uh, and he was on Parks and Rec. But I thought, I remembered Tom Hanks in the 80s being in all these comedies and then taking a risk with Philadelphia in the early 90s. And since then, he could do whatever he wanted. He was one of the greatest actors of his generation. So I thought, who's that guy in this generation that's likable? Yeah. I need my character to be likable, but also have the background, the training, the experience to flip the switch and really get the job done in this novel that's really about revenge without constraint. So uh, I thought of Chris Pratt. I, so it's so strange that it's come full circle and now he's starring in it. That's so cool. And I, I know a lot of authors are worried when they sell their work, whether the movie is going to live up to the book or it's their baby and they hate to release it to become a TV show or something. And I mentioned that in an interview once and I'm, I'm name dropping here, but we had Elmore Leonard on and I told oh, wow. Elmore, I asked him if he ever worried about and he said, absolutely not. He goes, the movie can suck. I, I create work. I sell work. And if the movie sucks, I point to the bookshelf and I go, that's what I did. <laughs> that's my yeah, work that's right there great. is the book. So really anything after the book is all frosting on the cake. And Chris Pratt, Amazon, I watch Bosch. I mean, I think that's going to oh, be a home great. run as well. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Bosch series is amazing, and there's a lot of trust that goes into it. Um, right. There's a few different offers on the table, and I chose Chris, obviously, because I had thought of him starring as I was writing, so that was the obvious choice. Um, but I thought of it as two separate projects, and I got to help out on the pilot scripts, and I'll be helping out with the yeah. other scripts as well here for the other episodes. And I love the direction that they're taking it, uh, turning it into more of a psychological thriller, which I think is a great way uh, to, mm-hmm. to tell the story visually. So uh, I looked at it as two distinct different, uh, different projects, uh, kind of like the book First Blood, uh, which introduces the world to Rambo, with, uh, published yeah. in 1972 by David Morrell. And then, of course, the early 80s movie with Sylvester Stallone. Two very different projects. 
Uh, but both wonderful. So I kind of look at it in that uh, through that lens. I think Amazon's very smart in doing what they, Michael Conley and, and hands-on and Bosch, by letting you participate in the show. Because uh, a lot of times Hollywood just takes it, and then their writers change everything, and then it tanks because they weren't true to the, the original story. But it sounds like Amazon's really uh, doing it properly. And good luck to you, Jack. I really, I, you know, I follow you on Twitter, and, man, you're living the life. Are you in Utah? We are. We're in, uh, in Park City, Utah. After the military, we wanted to make a, uh, a physical and psychological break uh, with the military as we started this next chapter in life. So we're up here in a ski town in Park City, Utah, well, raising the kids up here. Good luck to you, and we'll have you on next book. How's that? Thank you so much. I sincerely appreciate the support. And, All right. Uh, take care and stay safe. All right. There. Thanks for your service, too. The book Savage Son, and that is Jack Carr. Thanks, Jack. Hey, thank you so much. That was amazing. <laughs> I was I got a little excited. I apologize if I, I gushed a little. <laughs> oh no, I love it. Please let me know if you ever need anything. And you know anything. I sincerely appreciate it. I think at the end of the year, you're definitely Savage Sun's gonna be on the short list list for book of the year. But one other one, that deep state that uh, Chris Hardy wrote, boy, that's a good one too. That is great. Yeah, I got an early copy and got to blurb that one. So uh, and he's such a nice guy. Such a great guy. Yeah, a lot, a lot of authors won't read other other works though because they're afraid it'll influence it. But you're you're a fan of everyone else too, huh? I am. Yeah. I'm a, first, I'm a reader and a fan, and have been my whole life. So uh, I'm not going to change that just because now I'm sure I'm writing. But uh, it, it, I have to segment my time a little better. Though. Yeah. Well, have a great weekend, and we appreciate it. We'll talk again. It sounds great. Take care. Okay. Bye bye.